Welcome to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast, hosted by award-winning television director, documentary filmmaker, author, and speaker, Craig D. Forrest. Join Craig for the next few minutes as he interviews leaders, artists, and creatives about trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Matchstick Media International. Now, here's Craig. We are talking with Terry Anzer, who is not only a media specialist and a coach, but a former anchor and reporter in major markets uh, in America. Welcome to the podcast, Terry. One of my great, it's one of the biggest challenges I've ever had in teaching media, uh, film, TV, documentary, short films, production, uh, was in Vietnam. Because in my case, I came in as the expert and I went to three different locations. Uh, I went to Hanoi first, where I met you, Da Nang and Kanta, which is in the Mekong area. And I kept getting hammered by the uh, department heads because I was teaching documentaries. That was my subject, documentaries. And over and over again, especially in Hanoi, they would just whack me upside the head verbally. Uh, and I could see their faces scrunching because I would show these different documentaries that they wanted to see Western documentaries. I would show it and they would immediately start shaking their heads, said, this is not a documentary. And I'd say, yes, it is. And I'd said, no, every documentary, a documentary is 28 minutes long and serious, serious subject, 28 minutes long, serious. And I said, where did you learn this? This is what our bosses have, have taught us. And it was on my second trip, uh, the next year when I was invited back again, uh, Hanoi and then to uh, Ho Chi Minh City, Saigon, where I met the head of the documentary unit and I found out finally that with Vietnam, the, the main man had gone to film school in Moscow, in Russia, and that the Russian um, expression or uh, definition for documentaries was 28 minutes long, serious subject. And I had never known that. And now the light went on over my head, Terry, I realized why all these people were arguing with me. It's because this is what they had been taught. And the, the man who took me out to lunch, a wonderful man, uh, head, of, head of the whole division, he says, you know what? I've begun to realize that it doesn't have to be 28 minutes long and it doesn't have to be serious. Thank you. I said, great. I'm glad, I'm glad I could help you. And then that was it. I never got invited back. It was like, oh, it was like, oh can you, can you uh, tell us somebody else that, that teaches documentaries? I think we've had enough of you. I'm going, oh, man, ouch. You well, said, I, yeah. I learned very, very quickly, Craig. I, I had a few similar moments. Okay. And, and it wasn't just you. God bless but, Vietnam. God bless Vietnam, by the way. Let's make that clear. I, I learned very quickly that um, I wasn't there to teach anybody how to cover politics. They have their system. They do what works for them. Um, what I wanted to do was make them effective storytellers and addressing the issues that are of concern to their audience. And uh, I would go out in the, in the street with my students and, you know, we would make a plan for a news story and we would go out and we would gather our video and gather our interviews. And I would say, okay, we've got plenty. Let's go back. Let's edit this thing. Let's get it done in, in, terms, in terms of deadline. And they said, oh, no, no, we must keep shooting. And the reason for that was everything had to be vetted by a higher level. Oh. And if the higher level felt that, you know, this, per, this man on the street or woman on the street that you interviewed was not a worthy representative 
of the country, they would just say, no, no, use somebody else. So they overshot everything. And it just took forever to get a story done because they were realizing that it would have to be signed off on at the next level. That's incredible in the sense of, you know, something that might have just taken a few hours, an afternoon, maybe a day, might take days to shoot because you have to go get more people to interview. Because if, if uh, what you're saying, Terry, is if the uh, higher ups say, hey, uh, person A isn't right, what else you got? Well, here's yeah. person <laughs> B. So you go, you go get uh, four or five people and you give them the people, person you, you think, am I understanding you right? And if that gets, um, a no from the higher ups, then you say, okay, well, here's person B. Or do they just go back out and start shooting some more, Terry? No, no, they would come back with, with multiple choices that they could plug into the story. But this became very challenging when I was asked to come over and teach live reporting. Because at some point, you know, we all need an editor. I'm not saying that, that, that you should get rid of the editors. Everybody needs to have their scripts approved by another pair of eyes. The second set of eyes is very, very important. But when you go live, you have reached a level where it's pretty much agreed that you know what you're talking about and you're not gonna swear and you're not gonna you know, misstate the facts. Um, once you say, okay, we're going to do Facebook Live, and we did some Facebook Live that was strictly broadcast to the other members of the class, and my students were brilliant at it, but until they figure out a way to somehow vet what they're doing live, they felt like they were not empowered to actually do it in their jobs. Uh, I see. I, I, I understand. I know where you're coming from. Now, you've, what, what are some other countries you've been to that you've, you've taught? Pakistan. Oh, wow. And in Pakistan, being a journalist can literally cost you your life. And um, very sad to say that some of the people that I met along the way uh, in Pakistan um, are no longer with us. Mm. Because, uh, you know, if, if you report something that antagonizes the wrong people, some assassins will come on motorcycles and gun you down in the street or on the job or at your house. And, um, and, and it's a real risk. And when I was teaching there on a grant from the U.S. State Department, um, my teaching partner and I were literally under guard the entire time. Wherever you went, you had somebody with you, right? Oh, yes. Yes. Well, and one place that hosted a training for us, um, the woman that operated that coffee shop that was known as a place where people could engage in dialogue and free speech, um, she was gunned down one day outside the coffee shop. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Name me another place that you've taught. Sri Lanka. Wow. You really go into the hot, you're going to Southern Asia and you're going to the hot places. I've been to Sri Lanka. And a couple of times on assignment, it is a wonderful island. Um, it, is, it is a fascinating country. And at the point where I went in there, they had just started to wind down the civil war mm -hmm. between the Tamils and the Sinhalese. And there was an entire generation of young reporters that really thought their job was to sit around the office and wait for fighting to break out and then go cover it. 
what they needed to learn was how to enterprise a story, how to go into a community, oh, they're having problems with clean water, how are we going to find out what the problem is and investigate and interview the people that can shed light on the story. And so we had a contest where we broke down in groups and they all had to pitch me their, their original story ideas. They weren't going to sit around and wait for something to happen. So this one group of young men pitched this brilliant story about a farmer who had found out a way to control the pests in his field by using natural methods like owls and different ways of, of approaching pest control. And I went, wow, this is visual, this is great, you, you win the prize. And, they, and I said, when are you gonna go out and shoot the story? They said, well, we can't because we made it up. I forgot to mention that the stories had to be true. Ah. <laughs> in, in theory, in theory, this was a great story, but in practical, it was made up. Oh, well. Yes. Oh, well. Yes. And, you know, and the, the owls demanded too much money, you know, too many mice, and you just, you just couldn't get over the, the cost of, of mice and rats. It's just the way it goes. In yeah. But the funny thing that happened in Sri Lanka was uh, one of the channels had an English language newscast, and I finished my workshop for the day, and one of the executives from the channel came up to me and said, uh, go home and uh, change your clothes because we would like you to co-anchor the news tonight. You're kidding me. No, they put me on the, the national Sri Lanka news. And I said, I, I, I can't do this. And the reason why is, I don't know how much um, Sri Lankan language you speak, but uh, whatever of the languages it is, has these long names that are impossible to pronounce. Right. So if there was a car accident, the people went to Anarangapura Hospital. Yeah. <laughs> you, had to, you had to know how to pronounce all that stuff. So they decided to have me do the, the foreign news, like what was going on in the United States and Great Britain and some other places. And my, uh, my lovely co-anchor, Shamir, uh, did all of the stuff that required pr pronouncing the local names. Oh, somebody bailed you out on that one. That's cool. Hey, w was that fun to do? It was weird because the studio was was an odd shape. It was really long, like a bowling alley. And the, the cameras were so far away. It was just it, it was just a weird setup. I really like having my camera pretty much in my face so I can visualize that that relationship of me and my best friend while I'm telling the news. And uh, you know, it was a real exercise in not shouting at the camera because it's really tempting to do that. Great conversation with broadcast specialist Terry Anzer. We'll be back in 32 seconds. This podcast features engaging conversations with leaders, artists, and creatives sharing about current trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. Today's episode is produced by Matchstick Media International a nonprofit that's passionate about inspiring both visionary leaders and young creatives to harness the power of media to further the gospel. To learn more, visit us at matchstickmedia.org. Now, back to Craig. Now we continue with Terry Anzer. Now, there's an interesting, um, interesting background to Terry. Uh, well, first of all, you should know that she has a wonderful travel blog. Talk about your blog and where people can follow you, uh, your writings and uh, your stories about travel, Terry? Well, Craig, I've always had a passion for travel. I was a foreign exchange student when I was in high school to Switzerland. So I fell in love with Europe when I was 15. 
And then as I went through um, university and started traveling as a journalist, I really enjoyed just seeing new places, new cultures, and, and then taking my family, uh, my husband and my son, to experience new places and new cultures. And so uh, for most of my career, I covered hard, hard news. I started out wanting to be an entertainment reporter. I wanted to be a ballet dancer before I wanted to be a journalist. And then and I thought, you, well, and you, I'll- And you studied ballet, didn't you? I did. And uh, then I thought, well, I'll combine the two and be an arts critic and, and an entertainment reporter. And so I went to Stanford and worked on the student newspaper. And my first day there, they came to me and they said, do you know how to cover a hard news story? And I've been an editor in my high school newspaper. So I said, yeah, sure. And uh, so I went out and covered a hard news story. And that's basically what I did. Um, I did edit the entertainment section of the paper for a while. But uh, mostly, as I tell my students, hard news is your ticket to the party. So for most of my life, I covered politics and crime. I really don't like covering crime stories. Uh, and so I, I would gravitate more to the politics. And at one point, I ended up doing a national show with Chris Matthews called In Depth, where we took the top stories, usually political, and talked about them in depth. But once I left the broadcast television world of daily newscasting, I just realized that my passion was writing about these places where I travel. And uh, so I started this blog, Strangers in the Living Room, because wherever you go, you're always a stranger in somebody's living room. So don't be a stranger, follow my blog to find out the insider tips that will help you experience any country like a local. Excellent, and Terry Anzer, Terry is spelled T-E-R-R-Y, Anzer, A-N-Z-U-R. Now there's something interesting about Terry is that she, uh, her background is in the former Yugoslav Republic of Slovenia, which is right underneath uh, Austria and tucked up to uh, to the left is is Italy, and uh, you are now uh, a, I believe a dual national and because of your heritage, you are also a citizen of Slovenia. Yeah. Yes. Um, I never knew that I was Slovenian growing up. Uh, my dad, who was born in the United States and was never allowed to to speak the language, was always told he was Austrian which makes sense because in 1911, when my grandparents left Europe, Slovenia was part of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. My grandfather served in the, the emperor's army. So they considered themselves to be Austrian, but when they passed through Ellis Island, they ethnically identified as Slovenian. And going back over all of the family correspondence that I've discovered, they definitely were Slovenes. Um, now that I'm struggling with the Slovene language myself, um, you know, definitely all of their, their postcards they sent back home to Slovenia were, were, were in the Slovene language. And uh, I've just fallen in love with the country. Many of the things I did growing up are, are holiday traditions, um, just, you know, just my father's love of sports and love of nature. These things are all very Slovene. 
And once I found out that, that I was in fact Slovene and had the opportunity to go there and experience the country and start looking for my roots, I just fell in love with the place. So my travel blog is exploring Slovenia and the world. And by the world, I mean some of the interesting places I get to go as a talent coach. Excellent, excellent. Now you spend a little bit of time every year in Slovenia, right? I try to spend a couple months a year there. My son actually moved there. And uh, if some of your listeners think they've heard of me before, it could be that they're fans of House Hunters International. Mm -hmm. And our hunt for our son's apartment was an episode of the show. Now, if somebody were to type that in uh, to Google or, or Bing and type in your son's name and House Hunters International, would it pop up maybe? Yes, it would. Um, my son is Andrew Anjur Clement, Andrew Anzer Clement, and he is a writer of fiction. And uh, one of the really nice things about being on House Hunters International is that it has brought attention to his books. Uh, his, his most recent series is uh, Alternative History of um, the breakup of Yugoslavia and the Balkan Wars, which, which sounds like it would be boring, but it's not. It's a group of snarky teenagers who get caught up in this war and all of their adventures to try to keep their country from falling apart. How long has he lived there, Terry? He has actually been living in Europe since he graduated from USC in um, 2011. Uh, he got his undergraduate degree, and then he went to Europe for graduate school. Mm -hmm. And he got his uh, master's degrees in Poland and Austria, and his PhDs in Belgium and the United Kingdom. And then uh, as we went through the process of claiming our Slovenian citizenship through ancestry, uh, moving to Ljubljana seemed the natural fit for him. Sure. So uh, he, he has gone over there and uh, we rented an apartment that, that people saw on the show. And since then, we have bought and renovated another apartment. <clears throat> so we have really put down some roots in the country where I have my roots. That is absolutely fascinating. Is, are there any two months of the year that you normally go? What is a good time to go to Slovenia? I love it every time of the year. Uh, the Christmas markets are very special. In the winter, there's skiing. In the summertime, you're close to the Adriatic Sea. Um, there's always something new to discover in Central Eastern Europe. And then it's a great home base for exploring the surrounding countries, Italy, Croatia, Hungary, and Austria. So uh, I just try to go back whenever I can. A lot depends on when my teaching jobs are. And uh, now, of course, with the travel restrictions, I'm, uh, I'm hoping to get over there before the end of the year. Perfect. I should mention to uh, all of our, our listeners that Terry is the co-author of a book called Power Performance, Multimedia Storytelling for Journalism and Public Relations. If someone is in the communications business uh, or even in faith-based media, would this book uh, be of help to them as well? Well, I'm, I'm going to give you a mixed answer on that. Yes, the book would be incredibly helpful. It's really designed uh, for people who tell stories in the television news arena, but we also have several chapters devoted to the other team, the people who uh, are not doing, you know, who are not asking the questions, but those who have to give the answers. 
So in the book, we coach both the journalists and the public relations professionals. Um, the drawback of the book is that it is a college textbook and the retail price is quite steep. And so one of the things I'm working on is to bring out a talent coaching ebook that people could just download. And uh, that's a project that has been some years in the making. Uh, maybe your listeners could let us know in the comments if they'd like to have something like that. And then that will motivate me to actually finish it. Finish it. If people wanted to reach you, Terry, how would they do that? The best way is through my website, terryanzer.com. That is my talent coaching website. And um, strangersintheLivingroom.com is my travel website. And you can also follow me and reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter as Terry Anzer. Very good. I love, uh, I, I like Facebook, but I love Instagram. Uh, it, it doesn't have as many of the comments and it's just pictures and video driven and uh, being a visual storyteller. I love that. In fact, my wife gets mad at me because when we go on vacations or travel together, you know, as soon as I've shot all these wonderful uh, pictures of Jerusalem or whatever it might be, we'll sit down uh, in the, in the cafe or the restaurant. And as long as it has Wi-Fi, I'm already trying to upload five, six, seven pictures. And she'll say, would you stop that? We're having lunch. Come look at me, talk to me, you know, <laughs> instead of uploading. I don't blame her. It's a bit of an addiction. It really is. Really enjoying this great conversation with Terry Anzer. Hope that you'll join us in the next episode where we will pick up and learn some more interesting facts about the broadcast journalism world and also some strategies and some techniques. Join us then. You've been listening to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast with Craig D. Forrest, brought to you by Matchstick Media International, dedicated to excellence in media through inspiration, vision, and education. To learn more, visit us on the web at matchstickmedia.org. That's matchstickmedia.org. Your generous donations, large or small, help defray costs for producing this creative podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribing.